Welcome back to another episode in the abuse series. Today, we're going to turn the wheel a little bit and be speaking to Valerie, who has a company that works with victims of abuse, and she helps them kind of get back on track. So stay with us as we talk to Valerie. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willett. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Valerie Hua. I did it right. Yay, me. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and the things that you are doing to help people who have been through abuse and have gone through abuse and many other people as well. Like you're helping a lot of people. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be invited by you and to take times to be here. You know, it's really important because I truly believe that people need some answer and they also need to understand what's going on. Yeah. And when I was talking to you in the pre-interview, it was like, light bulb moments, one after another, when you were talking, I was like, wow, that just makes so much sense. So before we get into it, your company is dowellht.com. This is all going to be found in the show notes, but so you've, you've turned, you've turned something that you went through into an actual business to help other people. So can you tell the listeners, what's your story? how did we get here to today? Yes, of course. So my story started when I was really a toddler. So I get abused by my grandfather up to the age about, let's say, 11, 12. You know, when you do your babysitter's course and the person that gave the course start to explain, be careful when the parents of the kids you babysit want to drive you because sometimes they want to touch your private part and it's not normal. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I kind of get afraid of and not wanting to be drive by somebody that I don't know. But the following Christmas, my grandfather touched me again. And this is when I got the light bulb, if we can say. This yeah. is when I realized, oh my God, this is what's going on for me. So that Christmas, of course, was not a joyful Christmas. It was more like a really sad one. But starting that point, I started to protect myself. And I decided that I won't meet with him alone again. So all my teenage years, I really kind of protect myself. When my parents were going over there, I refused to go and things like that because I was afraid. And as a kid, I didn't know how to deal with the situation. And he was doing some, every time he was coming in my place, in my home, seeing my parents and herself, he was letting me money in my panties, in my closet. So there were that emotional abuse that was still there, that it was still controlling me, even if it was not touching me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that just was for years, up to when I become a young adult. Really? When I became a young adult and I moved into my apartment, we had another Christmas. Things happen at Christmas in my life. And someone in who I have trust reveal my secrets to all the extended family at a Christmas dinner. So you had confided in someone about this. Yes. And then and they that, told everyone your secret. It was too much for that person to keep that secret. And yeah. that person decided to expose it to everyone, like confront him in So people started to take sides. Some people tell me to bring him in justice. Other people told me, no, he's old. And all that, not just that emotion, but that family drama that started to arrive at that point in my life that I was not able to go back to the university after that Christmas. You weren't allowed or you just couldn't bring bring yourself to do it? I cannot bring myself to do it. I was devastated. I had all the PTSD symptoms. It's like if they arrive like a bomb on myself, you know, (laughs) they completely take control of me. If I can say like I was having flashback, I was having nightmare. I was starting to overeat. I was disorganized. 
it was at the point that my all my physical body was in pain, mm-hmm. like pain in my hand, in my back, everywhere. So I was not able to get up and go at school. Yeah. So of course I missed that semester. And after that, I had to start taking care of myself. So I did the traditional route, going to psychiatrists and psychologists and things like that. It was helping a bit, but their answer was, you know what, get used to it because it will stay like that. Wow. So they basically (laughs) said there was no healing coming. Yes. And to settle into the PTSD, settle into the way that you feel because this is the way it is. Yes. Take medication and it is the way it is and figure out that your life will be a bit like that. Mm -hmm. So that was not an answer that I like. (laughs) Yeah. And after that, I kind of fight against the medical world. Like I didn't want to go see them again and things like that. So mm-hmm. fast forward 10 years, I adopted kids and I fostered some children with disabilities. So I was doing great at that time. I was doing a lot of volunteering. It was kind of if I take all what was hard for me and devoted myself in causes. So, yeah, so it's like devoted- create the noise, create the noise to shut down the Exactly. To shut down the, the voice in your head, so to speak, or the noise in your head. Yeah. So I was receiving medals, for example, for helping Canadian uh, quality of life and things like that, because I was doing like a number of hours of volunteering and things like that. So it was really gratifying. But at some point, it was too hard in my head. You know, they were Valerie doing busyness and they were Valerie not able to continue. Mm-hmm. So at one point, everything stopped and I had to take care of myself. So I started on a different journey of healing where I explored all the other techniques that are out there, the EMDR, the meditation, the mindfulness, the uh, hypnosis and name it, changing my food intake, lots of lots of different things that I tried and that I explore because I understood that I needed to get out of there by myself to find a route, to find a path that need, we need to be able to pass through that because I had no answer from the medical profession. Yeah. So one day was really something special in my mind. So my husband was military at that time and my mom came home and she said, Val, I need to ask you sometime. You move a lot of time but you have tons of pasta. Are you cooking for an army? Of course, she was sarcastic and joking a bit at the same time because she didn't know how to talk to me about that. Mm -hmm. But when she left and I opened my pastry, I maybe have 50 bucks of pasta. I maybe have 15 cans of peach and 20 pounds of flowers. Wow. So I was hoarding food. I was protecting myself, being afraid of what if. What if that happened? What if this happened? What if? So I was totally protecting myself. Can I ask you a question real quick? I I hate to interrupt, but would you consider yourself? I think we all have, I think we all have cushion, right? I know I have cushion on this body. Would you have considered yourself overweight at the time? Yes. And when you look back on that weight, because I know like with what I do with the past life regression and past life work, and also when your body speaks to you, energy, you know, the body mind connection that a lot of times weight along with like acne and these things, this is just through my teachings, you know, yeah, is that it can tend to be armor. It can tend to be to push people away or a mask, if you will, when it comes to the acne to keep people away. It was totally because I was afraid of all men. Yeah. You know, I was crossing the street. If a man come in my direction on the street, I was changing side of street. And this was at what age that this was happening? And that was in my 30s, beginning of my 30s. So 20 and, years and, later. End of, my, end of my 20s, beginning of my 30s. I yeah. was in that process of recovering. Yeah. So yes, I was overweight and I was protecting myself that way. But when I look around me, there were toys everywhere. Like my kids has more toys than at daycare. Mm. And... I was looking in my 
closet and the clothes were so packed one on the others and the bottom completely filled with shoes at the point that I don't go take the one under the pile. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my, we were able to circulate in the house easily. I was able to invite people and things like that. But if we look at the storage room or if we look at the closet or if we look at what is hidden, you know, Mm-hmm. They were so packed. You cannot add anything else in there. Well, it's funny when you talk about it. It takes me to a story someone told me. This friend of mine, I went to their house one time and I said, do you know that you have 52 kitchen chairs throughout your house and in the garage? 52 kitchen chairs. Yeah. And it was, you know, in the dining room and the, the kitchen and the garage and the family, they were just kitchen chair. It made sense. Visually, it actually made sense, but I decided to count one time. And so I asked this friend, I said, what is with the kitchen and tables and chairs? Cause then it was like the dining room table with the chairs. And then there was a metal table in the corner with chairs around it. It made sense because there were plants on it, but there was, it was disguised well, but it was still a, a table. And it was funny because this person then said there were many kids in the family and there was no place for them to all eat, except for on Thanksgiving, their parent would make a huge table in the basement and they would have Thanksgiving dinner. And it was a cellar. I mean, this was not a proper basement. This was a dirt floor cellar. And that's where they would eat Thanksgiving dinner so that they could all be at one table. Oh. You could just see that trauma. It's just so visceral and so obvious, but it's like, until you talk about it, until you point it out, until you take a pause and look at it like you did, it doesn't exist. It's just a part of your reality. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And we're so used to what is in a reality that we don't realize the weight that it has on our brain. I will Mm -hmm. touch about that in a bit, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm. explain all that thing. So just to continue with my story. So I realized that there were a problem with the stuff and my husband came home and he got posted. So that means we were needing to move. Okay. When the movers came, can you imagine they told us that they cannot move us because we had too much stuff. Oh my so we had to let go of at least half of our belongings. How, how did that feel? How did that come over you? Did you did you feel that sting? I was shocked at the beginning. Okay. And I didn't realize how long it will take to declutter. Because clutter do not accumulate in a week. It takes more than a week to declutter, trust me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when, what happened is my husband had to move before me. And I stay at home with the kids alone. So that first night, I remember like if it was yesterday, I put the kids to bed and I was not used that my husband be away from home. So that was a shock too. But I sit in front of the storage room and I was asking myself, oh my God, what am I gonna do? How can I declutter that? What will, where do I start? What to do with all that stuff? I was completely like in crying things that were really not something that happened often for me. You know, I was really disconnected from my emotion, like almost dissociated because of my trauma. Mm -hmm. So yes, I was seeing some face, but feeling them, I was not. While now sitting in front of that room, I was feeling the overwhelm. I was feeling the sadness. I was feeling the madness, the fact of being hangry. It was all there. So I cried for hours that night. So sitting in front of the clutter and checking into the clutter, checking into yes. what had had accumulated, that somehow brought it all back to you by checking it. Because it was accumulating for years. You knew it was there. You just hadn't checked yeah. in with it. And now you're sitting exactly. in front of it. And, you know, what is it? The streets hit the pavement or whatever. You know, it's like... Hey, not only is this bad, but you can't even move with your husband because they will not move you. And now it's, it's, it's hitting you in the face and you're, are you seeing where it's coming from? Are you realizing? I'm not realizing that it's because of the trauma. Okay. Okay. But I realized that there's a problem. Okay. So, you know, you have a problem, but you have no idea how you got there. 
Exactly. Okay. So then in the next week and all of that, I started to declutter and something very special happened. When I was decluttering, I was starting to feel things. Like, for example, if I take a vase or something, it remember me, oh my God, I received that for my wedding. And I had an emotion coming with it. Okay. And then I take another object and there's another story with it and another emotion. And object by object, I was completely overwhelmed with emotion. And I had to learn to deal with my emotion. And I had to learn how to let go. Mm-hmm. I had to learn all of that because nobody was there to hold my hand and guide me and tell me, you know what, you can do this, it would be easier. Yeah. Or you can take that decision this way, it would be easier. But long story short, I was able to declutter and to move back with my husband. And we commit that we won't accumulate clutter anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it was not as easy as that. You know, I yeah. was still going shopping. And, you know, when you buy something new, you're all excited and you have a you mm-hmm. have some endorphins and good hormones that make you feel good. So I was still over shopping and bringing a lot of stuff at home. It took a while before I understand that every time you buy something new, you need to let go of two. Okay. So do you still so, live by that principle? Yes. <laughs> I still live by that principle because oh. it, it's really important because we have tendency to really enter more things in the place than letting go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really important. It's, it's changing your lifestyle completely. It's well, not I, just about, okay, I'm decluttering once and it will be done. If right. you do that, it will come back. It'll come back. It will come back. What we see in the orders show up on the TV, it come back. Yeah. Because those people, it's almost another trauma, the fast and the pace at which they declutter their place. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned a lot of things and we did some research with my husband and like we search a lot of what is on the medical domain, what are the papers that are written and things like that. And I decided to become a home stager. So to help people move, because as a military family, we move often. So Mm -hmm. I decided to do that. But what really appeared to me when I was doing home staging, when I started first is that the client didn't know how to declutter. They know how to place some items so it's look nice, but they didn't know what to do with the stuff. So I decided to do my professional organizing course to be able to help the people who learn how to declutter. So I become a professional organizer. And after a little while, I had another reality that faced to me. Every single client that I was helping, or let's say 95% of them, they were starting to talk to me about a trauma when they were talking to me about their story. Mm-hmm. So it was trauma from war. It was a car accident. It was a concussion. It was an abuse. It was a narcissistic parent. It was a bad relationship, a bad divorce, the loss of a child. So, and that was that happening as you were helping them? Like, was yes. So, so you're like, okay, let's tackle the master bedroom closet or whatever. And as you're working with this person, they start verbalizing exactly they start verbalizing about that Mm -hmm. because when we work on that there's some story there's some you know there's some object not just but attachment that are there that was my wedding dress for example or that was my first ball dress at my prom or Mm -hmm. so story work coming out And like somebody that lost everything at the war because they had to move country and now want to accumulate everything because they know what it is to have nothing. How do we get past that? Like as a culture, because I just went through an experience with somebody and they were moving and it's like, it was the same thing. Every item that was packed besides send them to you, right? Every item that was packed, it, 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 although they may have not seen it in years, as soon as they saw it, it had so much value. 
it it could not be parted with it it's it's still huge clutter issue that the clutter moved from one place to another do you know what it is why we is it yes. just to allow that memory back <laughs> into our experience i mean no. why are we like this yeah i'm happy that you asked that question because this is exactly where i was going so what's happening is when people touch an object, when we declutter, there's a link between the sense of touch and a part in our brain that is called the limbic system. And what happens is at that point, you have all those memories and feeling and emotion that will surge, that will arrive, that will really like, I call them a wave of emotion. Mm-hmm. And this is really because you're touching the object. So with my client and even everybody that needs to declutter, truly. Yeah. They need to put something on their hand, like a pair of gloves. Wow. And just by doing that, it's cutting enough of the link that you will still know and remember what is that object. But the wave of emotion won't be as stimulated because you didn't touch it. If you want to do a test really quick, Take a teddy bear or a plush toy mm. in your hand and you will see you will start to fidget with it. Mm-hmm. Pair out a pair of gloves and take the same one in your hand. It dulls it. It just it dulled dulls it in it. my mind. Yeah, I just it just take took it down quite yeah. a few le- levels of that visceral reaction to it. Yeah. It, yeah. So you will just put it back on the table and take off your gloves. <laughs> Yeah, the reaction everybody does. I did that in a speaking gig once with psychiatrists and psychologists, and they all have the same reaction. Yeah. So it's really when you want to declutter parts, clearly if you had trauma, because it's harder to deal with emotion when we had trauma, it's harder to deal with memories. So it's really, really important to wear a pair of gloves. That is fundamental for everybody that has trauma to if there's one thing you have to keep from that interview today, it's that. Yeah. Because that will help you so much. I, I did some tests with some clients sometimes where they declutter with and without gloves because they become warm and they want to take off their gloves. And we see right away that if they declutter with the glove, there's a good 40 to 60% of the item going away. And I let them five minutes without glove and they keep everything during that five minutes. That just goes to show you how I go to reflexology for my feet every single month. And, you know, they say the hands are a map to the body and so are the feet are a map to the body. And it just goes to show you how important your hands are. Yes. Can I ask you, like, if I had this conversation with someone who maybe didn't, doesn't want to admit that they had trauma, but they still tend to accumulate too much stuff, not maybe necessarily hoard, but they look at it and they go, but I want to keep that doll, that pillow, that blanket, that, you know, where you see that there's quote, no trauma, but you still see the behavior and they're going to argue, but I like my things. They remind yeah. me of my grandmother. They remind me of that time I went, but at the same time, you know, when you're looking at it, that this behavior is not healthy, that it's not a healthy yeah. environment to be that overwhelmed with stuff. Yeah. So first of all, when I work with a client, I never start with the decluttering process of the physical belongings. That's my last step in my process. Wow. Okay. And this is really, really important. Otherwise the clutter came back. Mm -hmm. So let me explain you just a couple more things before I get into my process, because there's something that needs to be understood here. Mm -hmm. So when we have clutter around ourselves, Her brain is, and not just clutter, you know, I don't know if you have some Eastside Mario's or restaurants chain like that in your area, but what they are is they have frame in their wall everywhere. Picture it's frame to frame to frame to frame. Mm -hmm. And you don't really realize when you enter in the Eastside Mario, but after a while, when you get out of the restaurant, it's kind of a big bread of hair. (laughs) Like, oh my God, it feels so good to get out. Yeah, And this is because we don't realize, but our brain during that period at the restaurant managed all the information in the room. 
it's like when we go on a fair or an exposition, there are people yelling and there's a lot of stimulation and we come back or we go at Six Flags and we come back in the evening and we're drained. <laughs> yeah. We're completely tired and exhausted. This is because our brain manages everything, even if you don't take attention or focus on it. Yeah. So as an example, somebody with trauma, okay, everybody has cortisol in their body. It's a stress hormone that is really, really important. It's help for a lot of reaction. But with trauma, what happened is the cortisol level is higher than the average person. And what it produced is that we're always on a higher level of alertness. We will still have wave because everybody has wave of the level of the cortisol during the day, but our wave will be higher. So, and sometimes there's some exception where there's lack of cortisol, but one or the other bring the same problem is we're on hyper alertness. Okay. And that means that we'll start being afraid of going out. Sometimes we'll stay in, we'll stop going at some gathering, we'll stop taking some action like that, because just in case, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I, and there's a lot of fear, but it's not just about fear, the problem. The problem is all the other symptoms of trauma will appear worse when the cortisol is high. Okay. So that means the frontal lobe and the thinking brain will slow down because the brain focus on the cortisol survival. So it's the survival mode that is there. Gotcha. So we will have more flashback because we're in survival mode. We will have more nightmare. It will be more difficult to sleep. So we will be more tired during the day. So it become a vicious cycle, you know, and the problem is we are already high. And then we bring lots of stuff around ourselves that stress even more the brain. So we become in a vicious cycle without knowing that we're in that because we're used to the clutter around us. So the clutter creates an atmosphere for this elevated cortisol and which makes us more susceptible to flashbacks, which then creates more cortisol, which makes us more susceptible. Yes. Then we're not using our prefrontal cortex of making good decisions, thinking through things. We're more exactly. high alert. And so we're living constantly in this vibration of fear yes. versus thought. So it's, is that, would that be like, would you consider that more like the reptilian kind of brain versus the highly evolved type brain. Yes. Cause I'm actually seeing this post COVID. Yes. And I will talk about COVID. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm seeing this fear monger, this fear energy. Yes. People don't yes. want to go out. They're afraid but, of going out. But we need to separate the two things for now yeah. <laughs> because yeah. otherwise it become a bit complicated. No worries. So yes, we have that level of cortisol that bring us on a vicious cycle. And as I say, the frontal lobe, is less effective. So mm -hmm. that's all our good decision, but that's also our capability to organize. Mm. So that's our capability to say, okay, I have a can of pop. I need to go put it in the trash can. I have my lunch bag instead of letting it in the entrance. When I arrive from work, I need to go unpack it and put it away. So things are starting to accumulate that way. So it's also what makes the morning more difficult and we feel rushed and then we're fine we're, uh, because we're less organized. We feel rushed. And again, the cortisol is in the roof. Yeah. So it's really kind of a pattern that people are stuck in. And I offer here, oh, it's because that person is lazy on his couch. No, it's not that. It's a brain chemistry that is affected by the trauma. And the good news is we can do something about it. And not just with medication we can do something ourselves about it. And we have a technique that we teach in our course that I call our doer's reset because it's kind of doing a reset on our section of the brain that generate the cortisol, like in our stress part of the brain. And we teach that and we start with that with all of our clients because it is so fundamental that we reduce the level of cortisol. So I don't get into the clutter up to the level of cortisol is reduced. Because if I get in the clutter, that person will touch something and emotion will be fired and she will absolutely want to keep the object. Mm -hmm. And she may have some flashback 
you know, there are some objects sometimes that remind you of an abuser or a past parents or a lost child or war or lots of things. So it doesn't necessarily have to be physical, emotional, sexual abuse. It could be just plain old trauma. Yes. That has brought this. Just... So this is this is abuse, but it's also trauma that you may have gone through, etc. Yeah, like it could be bullying at school. It could be uh, lots of different things that for you had an effect to keep you in that moment and space. In like that, when in you that... had a trauma, you're kind of paralyzed in a space moment. Mm-hmm. So you're paralyzed with the past and you're not able to move forward with your life. Mm-hmm. And you need to learn to let go of the past to be able to move forward. But for that, you cannot learn that if your brain is not taking decision properly. You know what I love? I love so much about this is if you're not checked into your trauma, if you're not checked into your abuse, like let's say it's you've tried to stuff it down, right? The proof's in the pudding. The proof is in your home. The proof is in your yeah. car, in your garage. So you may be denying that anything is there to be dealt with. But it's but still there. It's still there. And so, yeah. you know, everyone that's listening to this, the reason I bring this up and I interrupted you, I'm sorry. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think so many people ignore. do stuff it down. They do ignore. They do say, I've dealt with it. I'm, I'm over that. I, I know it's there. I see it's there, but I've, I've moved on from that. And then go look at their house and they're, they're not through it, right? Their car is a huge one. I, I had a relative who, I mean, you could have lived for two months out of their car, you know, and we see that. And so the other thing I want to interrupt you too on really quick is I see, cause I have four kids. The oldest is 25. The youngest is 10. And it's like the, the younger kids, can keep their room organized. And then my older kids, like my daughter, who's 23 and my son is 25, they're organized, but that middle group yes. is disaster. <laughs> this Master is brain. different. This is different. Okay. When they are kids, you tell them, pick this that way. Take that decision to put that object there. I decide it goes there in your room. Mm-hmm. So you are your brain managing their little brain, if okay. we can say. Mm-hmm. You're kind of guiding them. When they arrive at the teenage years, they don't want to be guided anymore. They don't want that you tell them, but their brain is still not developed. Yeah. What I mean by that is the organizational, like the high executive function that we call them. Okay. So those executive function finish to be developed between the age 21 and 23. Mm-hmm. So organizing, planning, like making a plan, a sequence of events that will arrive to achieve an objective is really difficult for teenagers. Like being sure that we get up at that specific time to do our breakfast and our lunch and be ready to do not miss the bus stop. It sounds like our house. (laughs) This is my house right now. (laughs) So it's really hard for them because we need to teach them how to think instead of telling them do this. Okay. Because their brain needs to develop and learn by themselves to be able to have that capability. So we need to put a lot of possibility of project in front of them and sitting with them. Okay. How, what do you think would be the step to be able to achieve that? Gotcha. Okay. How do you think we will get there? Because their brain needs to develop. Gotcha. So that's why there's that period of life. And after it often came back because people are developed. Yeah. But people with trauma will start to accumulate instead of coming back tidy. So instead of at 22, you where, where I'm seeing my two older kids kind of figuring it out, if you will, you know, they put their stuff away, they keep their tidy house and apartments. What you would see at 22, 23, 24 is actually not getting better. You would see it continuing to be bad. An example will be, oh, I love my collection of rock. Okay. I love my collection of, I don't know, we need a poo. I love my collection of Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. I love, and people start to accumulate things by subject. I love doing art and I need to have all the craft tools for myself, mm. all the type of paper, all the type of stickers, all the type of, so you start to see the clutter by interest at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have in one interest, two interests, three interests, and then it starts to accumulate. So in the beginning, it'll make sense as a parent watching your child. You're like, oh, okay, that's nice. They have, they like Hummels or they like Beanie Babies or they whatever. And so it'll start to make sense. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is a problem. This is a situation that we're looking at here. Okay. Yes. So it's often how we can see that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we were on reducing the stress. Mm-hmm. And we were talking on the impact of the object on our brain. So that's really the first part that needs to be addressed before thinking about decluttering the physical part. And when the stress is reduced, what we often see is what I call the itchy-bitchy committee. <laughs> so this is the little voice inside, the angel and the devil. You should right. do this. No, you should do that. Oh, you're wrong. You didn't do that. Be feel guilty feel bad because you didn't do that. And all those emotions become difficult to manage because people have a lot of negative self-talk. And that is particularly with trauma because there's a lot of guilt. What if I have not been there that day? What if I protected myself? What if mm. there, there's a lot of, even if it's not the fault of the person, what happened? There's a lot of negative self-talk because when, particularly with childhood trauma, what we see is we were not able to develop the tools because we were not equipped at the child's age to face the trauma. So there's a lot of guilt and a lot of negative self-talk, and even with the adult trauma. But some research says that most adults that get trauma adult, it's often had a resurgence sense of something happening in their childhood. Okay. So there's some research on that. So, but the trauma, even if it's not the fault, people has a lot of negative self-talk. So, and that brings a lot of emotion. So I call it that we need to calm the mind. We need to reduce, to declutter all those ideas and thoughts. So I call that the part that we declutter the mind. Okay. So when we had calm all that cortisol, we had calm the stress and all the negative idea then we can say, okay, we want to look at the clutter. Okay, but it took years to accumulate. When will I do that? I'm already busy. I need to drive those kids to the activities and to school and I have to do grocery and there's my chores are taking me a long amount of time because my house is a mess. So every week it's long and I have a laundry to do and people are busy and working. So when do we add decluttering? Because decluttering don't take just half an hour. Mm -hmm. So we need to really look at the overall habits of the person. So I call that decluttering your time or discovering free time. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is to be able to build some good healthy habits where we are able to change the lifestyle. So we have place to declutter daily. And what we will use as decluttering daily at the beginning will eventually becoming maintaining daily in the lifestyle. So could you start like, for example, I've got one, two, two really beefy junk drawers in my kitchen. Yes. What I suggest. Yeah. When when we are there and we adjust and we find time in the schedule, we -hmm. can move to decluttering the space. And when we start to declutter the space or belongings, we already st- we always start with something small. Okay. So something that in half an hour, you have time to install yourself, to declutter and to put away. Okay. Because often the put away part is neglected. Because when we do clutter, we declutter, we sort things and put them aside on the table or, and after people are tired and don't want to pick up that mess and it stay there and just accumulate more clutter. Yeah. Cause I had imagine tackling this project, you're going to have a lot of resistance. I don't want to do it. I don't have enough time to do it. It's fine the way that it is. It's not causing a problem. Yes. I, we have a lot of great intentions of wanting to do it, but I'm sure you, once you actually get there, they've done the work, there's still going to be that resistance of of doing, of the actual doing it. Yes. That's why I have my multiple secrets of decluttering that <laughs> enter in place. <laughs> you're, you're like, I, I come I in with a karate chop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So one of the secrets is the one I already talked to you about wearing some gloves, mm-hmm. but other things are really important. 
And that's why we work on the mindset. We need to know why we want to declutter. Okay. Not just because it will look nice. Often there's more deep reason behind it. I want my grandkids to be able to be here. I need to move in a condo. I want to take care of my mom and we will need to make a room and that she can come and live with us. My couple will break if we are still clutter, my husband or wife or spouse or They're over person it. leaving it, are just over it and are not yeah. able anymore. We're fighting against because of the clutter and the kids hear us fighting all the time. So there's always a deeper reason why we need to declutter. Mm-hmm. I want my grandkids to come and be able to walk around without broken things. So there's always an important reason. So that's the first thing that people need to know. And then we will create an ambience. So what I mean by that is, you know, in the spring, particularly where there are four seasons, we open the window to let the fresh air come in. So we will do a bit the same thing with decluttering. If the temperature allows us, we will open the window, but otherwise we will make sure to have more lights in the room that we are decluttering. So I always bring my construction light with me when I go to client. Really? Because Oh, yes. You know, when you shop and you choose a nice sweater and it's look nice and I have that pair of jeans with that pattern, it will fit with it. And you arrive home and it's not the same color. Mm-hmm. because the light that you see in the store and the light at home are not the same. So we use that at our advantage now. The light that we see the clutter every day, we are emotionally attached. Mm. When you change the light by increasing the amount of light that you put on an object, it's not the same color. It's not the same feeling. It's not the same emotion. So, so you literally are- shine light on the situation. Like yes. literally shine light on it. Yes, yes. Oh but my people gosh. are able to take decisions quickly and less emotionally because it doesn't look like the same thing as every morning, for example, if it's in my closet. Right. So it's really, really help. The yeah. other thing is I work a lot with essential oils and there are some brand of essential oils that even people allergic to scent can use because they have no alcohol in it. Okay. Often it's to the alcohol that people react. So there's different brands. It's important to verify what you decide to use to do Mm -hmm. not have an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. But what is important is to put the same scent every single time you will declutter and don't use it at any other moment. So first time, her sense of smell is so developed and so close to her brain because of the way the nerves are made that a baby is able to recognize his mother by the sense of smell. So we will use that sense of smell at our advantage with the essential oil. First time your brain will say, oh, I'm decluttering. I'm taking a lot of decision. I'm exhausted. And it's that smell that is there. Second time you put it, your brain will say, oh, I have to take decision. And it's again, that smell that is there. Third time you put it, oh, okay, let's go take decision now. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So what happens is with the time you declutter, your brain will become faster to set up and take decision, and you will be less overwhelmed and able to take more decision in a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. just because of the sense of smell. And it seems also that you're kind of changing gears when you're introducing this new smell versus the smell of their everyday life, the smell of a sweater or all their clutter has a very distinct smell, I'm sure you're actually like switching over to this new smell. So you're not just adding a smell, but you're kind of covering up that other smell of clutter and and memory, if you will, too. Yes. And another thing that is really, really important is when you finish a decluttering session to celebrate, Mm -hmm. you need to produce some endorphin and be happy, even if it's just five objects that you let go. Yeah, It's important that you celebrate because your brain had worked hard and need to be reinforced positively. Yeah. So with that positive reinforcement, the brain next time will have the smell. It will say, okay, I will work hard. I will have my endorphin afters. Can I ask you a question about what are the goods, bads? Is it possible? Like say you have a friend who needs to declutter and you see that. Is that something that a friend can help them with, or is this something that they need to go through themselves? Can they be in the room, but not doing it? Or can they be 
completely gone and let someone else handle it? What's the importance of taking part in the declutter? I will say it's really depending on the people. It's really case by case, but often the presence of a friend or of a professional will be reinforcing and encouraging the person. Okay. Because we will celebrate the person at every step. Oh, good decision. Nice things. Good choice. Gotcha. So we will reinforce. So it's really helping the brain. So it's just a, it's but a support. You cannot take the decision for the person. Okay. That okay. is really important. Let the person take her decision. Yeah. I say her, it could be him too. You know, I'm talking about person. (laughs) Right. And yeah. So in the ambience, the other things you can put is music Mm -hmm. that can stimulate the level of energy too. So it's really kind of creating the ambience. Then there's the celebration that is really important. Other thing, a friend that as a trailer can help to bring things to donation, for example, mm-hmm. that is an action that you can let your friend do or can bring things to the dump or Salvation can, Army, or right. Salvation Army yeah. but depending of what you declutter it can be to return some bottle to the store. It could be different things that your friend can do for yourself. Okay. That could help. But what is important, never let the object leave the same day. Okay. Oh. And I'm clear and I'm, I know I'm against all what the industry is saying, but you know what? It's happened too often that during one, the night, because a mistake was, you know, you just put something on the wrong pile Mm -hmm. and then you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and it's like, what did I do with that object? I don't remember putting it at its place. Mm -hmm. And then you fall asleep and you wake up again and you fall asleep and you wake up again. (laughs) You know, that pattern of, not having a good night of sleep because you're just thinking about an object. That's because you're not ready to let go of that object. Okay. So have access to take that object, put it back in place in the morning, but all the rest go right away. Okay. And the night it's never happened to my client to be awake for more than one object. So usually there's one sticking point that will come up. And often there will be none. Often there will be none. Yeah. It's just that... I had a friend, Mm -hmm. a client that became a friend that was working with another professional before meeting me. The professional left with the object and she wake up all night about a book that has important autograph and photo and things like that in it. And they were never able to to recover it. Yeah. So when I went, like, so my husband's dad passed away and we have boxes in our garage. And like, I want him to go through it. It's the boxes have sat there for over a year now, never looked at the stuff. They don't touch the stuff. It just sits there in boxes. Not ready. Not ready. Okay. Cause I keep saying, just bring one box in a month and just kind of sort through it. The stress first. The stress first. Why you don't want to touch that. Okay. It's because I become agitated in myself. Okay. What do you do if you become agitated while we start decluttering those boxes? What technique will you use Mm -hmm. to feel okay? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people deal with this. Let's set up the ambience first before starting to declutter. So we will feel better. And is it because you will feel guilty and have itchy bitchy committee telling you, oh, it's your dad's favorite things. You shouldn't let it go. Yeah. You need to be able to manage those ideas. That's why we equip people with how to calm their mind and what to do in that case. Yeah. And then you can figure out a moment, okay, tomorrow at 1 p.m., we'll take that box and we'll go through it. And I'll be here with you. Mm-hmm. It will go well. And then the person can tackle at that moment. And we say, we just put a timer for 30 minutes. If we're not done completely with the box, it's okay. We'll finish it another day. What will be done will be done. Yeah. Cause I have another relative that everyone gives her stuff. You know, everyone gives her, this is great grandmas. This is grandmas. This is great aunts. And they give her these things and she, A, doesn't want to be, you know, rude and say, I don't want it. There's nowhere in my house for it. 
But then there's the guilt of not getting rid of it because where's grandma's tea set? Where's grandpa's table? And they these people have put all of this on her. I mean, there's so many instances of where you can come into play yeah. to help people. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So in that way, what I will suggest to that person is to make, if that person is ready to want to let go, you know, the stress, the mind and the time is already done and we're at the decluttering part. It will be to put a timeline to other people, send them a quick email, give them a phone call and say, by that date, if you want something that was at this person, this person, this person, you need to come and grab it mm-hmm. because that day I'm letting go. I'm getting rid of it. I'm giving it to somebody that will share it, appreciate it and use it. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like if, if it's that important to you, put it on the wall. If it's that important to you, display it. I have my grandmother wedding set of China. Mm-hmm. We use it daily. Yeah. Okay. We have the chance that the kids or we break a plate or something happen. Can happen. But you know what? It never happened. Right. <laughs> and everybody feels like, oh, I'm like a little sparkle in their eyes when they use it because it's beautiful and it's yeah. delicate. And you see the posture of the person changing and enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Use them. Use them. Don't let them on the shelf. Right. And just hiding there, accumulating dust. It's like back in the 70s when everyone used to put plastic on their couch, right? Like, it's okay to use our things. But you, so you have created by way of all of this research and studying and figuring out and your own trauma, you have created courses. Yes. And programs to help people get from where they are to healthy. Yes. And so can you walk us through the different programs that you have for people? Yes. The first thing is the first step is the book because it's easy to consume. It's pretty thin and it gave uh, overall of what will happen of what we need to do. Okay. So for any budget, you know, it's under $10. Okay. And that's so, available on that's available online. Yes. We'll Can we get it at Amazon? No, you cannot get it on Amazon because Amazon has a tendency to manage the price at who oh, okay. you are selling and things like that. And I so it will be in the show affordable. notes. It will okay. be in the show notes. It's in the show notes for you guys to grab the book. Okay. Yes. So from there, you can choose if you want a paperback copy or a deal book or things like that. And after that, I'm talking about my course. So as you asked me about my course, I'll say I have a general program. Okay. It's a year program. So don't be afraid and say, I want my clutter to be gone next month. I see it happen. It's really rare and it's come back. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out a year, sometime two years to let go of the clutter. But let's figure out we'll work a lot during one year. So during that time, we need to go to the four steps that I talked about. The stress, the mind, the time, and then the space. So if people decide to do it just with what is online that I put my online course, what I call my do it yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's video and there's different things that are, there's workbook and different tools that are there, meditation. And so they have all of that on our platform for life, but they do it by themselves. Okay. Okay. So that's the version that is the less expensive one. Then we have the premium, that is the middle version. With the premium, you have access all the time to the same material. But in addition of that, you have access to a group to ask your question where I answer questions daily. Okay. You have access to a Zoom call once a month to ask your question and to be in touch with other people that live the same time, the same thing as you, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not alone in that situation. And it's good to see that other people are having success and other people are celebrating your success. So there's that middle program that I call the premium. It's one year for $9.97. Okay. And then if they want to be in the inner circle, this is really for people that really want to commit, that say, I have enough and I want help every single week. 
because I commit that I will improve every single week. Mm-hmm. I commit to myself. It's not committing. They're not committing to me, Valerie, or right. JM, that is the mindset coach, you know. They're committing to themselves that they want to change, that they want to learn to let go of the past, to want to let go of their belongings, let go of their stress, let go of their negative self-talk and have healthy habit and be able to change their lifestyle. That's a big commitment. And yeah, it's hard for people to decide, yes, I want to do that. But the decision we held them when they, and they take a decision to be in the process, we held them do the other decision. So when you say the, the, the 1997, which is a weekly call with you, is that from starting from that point A of reducing the voice and all that stuff? So they're going to be yes. actually working with you like a coach yes. getting them through the program. Now we've gotten through all that kind of mental stuff that we needed to work through. And then you help them. Okay. Here's my closet. Where do I, what do I do? And you're going to, you're going to walk through all that with them every week. We go through all of that every week. It's maximum of 12 person in those group. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of work. I want to be sure that everyone have a chance to talk. So I want small group Mm -hmm. while in the one year that is the premium there's an unlimited people in the number in the group. Okay. So for the 1997, is that one-on-one help or is that group help? It's it's the group, but maximum 12 person. Got it. Okay. And they have two one-on-one. So they have two one-on-one a month? No, two one-on-one. If they want more, they can add more. Oh, gotcha. So you can add some like a la carte. They have two one-on-one and they came on a Zoom call weekly. Awesome. And I mean, like when I'm looking at this and just through our conversation today, there's so many ways that people get themselves here with a parent that's passed and you can't get rid of stuff or just, you know, trauma or now I remember where we talking about the OCD. I remember that we, we talked about OCD and that being a distraction. Do you find this in other mental illnesses, bipolar, depression, anxiety, OCD, do you also like, so maybe you've had no trauma, but you still have these mental illnesses that are causing this. So, you know, I also don't want people to think that, well, shoot, I've accumulated all this stuff. I don't remember a trauma. (laughs) However, comma, I do have anxiety and shopping helps to bring that anxiety down. Yada. So we can get here from not a trauma. We can get here from not a loss. Yes, totally. You can get there by another route. Mm -hmm. It's just that I specialize, you know, when you start helping people, it's difficult to help everyone at the same time. Yeah. So the method I develop is specialized for the people that has trauma. Okay. But it is as effective for everybody else. Okay, good. So anyone that's finding themselves in this avalanche of stuff. It's just that people that have trauma that will go see another professional organizer that do not have the technique I develop, they be not comfortable with trauma. Yeah. And this goes to, you know, I, I look at this as many addictions is, you know, I had a friend who had gastric bypass and they put her on antidepressants, but they never fixed the reason why she was overeating. And she had found out that the, the number, you know, two person of getting gastric bypass is someone that's already had gastric bypass. Like that is huge number of people are having two of them because they never really solved the problem underlying underlying problem. So I love the way that your program it's not just having, you know, house hunters international or whatever, come into your house, HGTV and redo everything and put up cartons and containers. This is, this is very deep healing work that you're doing over a period of time to get someone so that they're not inside the avalanche in six months again. Yes. And one thing that is really important and that will surprise a lot of people, I do not do talk therapy. Okay. There's no talking about your sorry or your trauma again and again and again. Yeah. We're focusing on where we are going okay. and taking action. Solutions. Because I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am not a psychotherapist. So I do not do therapy. What mm-hmm. I do is guiding people to action steps they can take to move forward in their life. Yeah. 
And that is really, really important. Well, I so appreciate you sharing everything with all my listeners today. And I love having you on, especially in this very thick series that I've done to kind of help people. Like we've heard a lot of good stuff and this is one more tool that we can all use with this series to recognize what we may have been through, what we're going through, whether we realize it or not, look around and see where you're at maybe or what you need to work on still. And I love that you have the book, the programs, the do-it-yourself, and then a lot of hand-holding also. So there's, it's not one-size-fits-all. This is definitely a very comprehensive program that you've developed. So thank you so very much, Valerie, for being here today. And also it's dowellht.com. And you can follow her also on Facebook is also dowellh as in happy t as in tom.com. And your email, if someone wants to get a hold of you, is me at valeriehuard.com. Is that still the same email address? Yes. I will prefer to give to everybody the CS okay. at dowell-ht.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And all that will also be in the show notes. So we'll be yeah. giving all of that to you. But again, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all of your sharing and your hard work to get to where you're at today with to help people. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.